talking nonsense and welcome to the down in front podcast the official podcast of down in front podcast.com my name is warren and what we usually do here on the down in front podcast is they review movies and tv shows all over our favorite beverage sometimes water sometimes beer mostly wine and we talk about some of our uh, movies and tonight we will be talking about the newest film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, not entirely no. sure, but from Sony, but Marvel still it had is. a hand in it. Nope. It's nope. absolutely nope. not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's all Sony. Yeah, I mean, and it's not even, it's just Marvel owns the character rights for everything else but the films. That's why it's They're going to mash him in there, though. They're going to just... So let's, movie, call it the, we, let's call it the Avi Arad movie universe. <laughs> yeah. How about we just call it the We're a Room Venom tonight? Super pumped yeah. because that's going to be starring uh, Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, which I was super surprised. I didn't realize that she was in this movie and some other special people that we'll chat about later. But before we get into the actual review, I'm going to toss it over to a few of my best friends. We have a big, uh, cool crowd. And usually what we all go around in a big bit of a round table, talk about what we currently are drinking and what we've been watching. So I will start it with, as always, one of my best friends. I like him more than everybody else on this podcast. The Mouth of the South. Bryland, what you been sipping on and what you been watching? Hey, how's it going this evening? Uh, right now, I am sipping on some good old classic Woodford Reserve. Uh, from straight from Kentucky, it is delicious and it burns the right way. Um, what I've been watching recently, I've been watching the animes again. Uh, so I saw that uh, Hulu had the new Sword Art Online movie, Ordinal Scale, on, and I decided to watch it. And I'd say it's not the best storyline they've done. It's I I think it falls into the pit that a lot of like anime series going to a feature film fall into where they feel like they have to be very exposition heavy and actually have to retract or actually retrace everything that's happened in their previous series up until the point of the new story and it kind of like suffers from that but it's still fun to watch and also checked out the first episode of the new sword art online series which i believe is pronounced alicization uh which was a lot more interesting and a lot neater. And I think it's really cool because the animation has actually ramped up a lot in this first episode. And it's basically two episodes in one where they kind of tell half of one side of the story, what's going on in the virtual world, and then what's happening in the real world. And I think it was done really well. It's a setup uh, episode for the rest of the uh, series. So I'm interested to see uh, what else happens with that series going forward. I mean, I've definitely, uh, I've completely like falling off the sort of online sort of um, universe since after I think we talked about, you know, season one, but I'm cool. I'm glad that people actually like that actual show. I'm glad that it's still kind of thriving and they're actually making movies about it. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to toss it over to one of my good friends. He is in Mr. New York looking silky as ever. Mr. Mocha, what's going on, man? What you sipping on and what you been watching? We are Mocha. 
Uh, what else? What's up, everybody? My voice is actually no longer sore like it was last week during Hellfest, so I'm glad to be back. Full throttle, fully throated, whatever that means. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh, I'm here <laughs> gliding on past that while sipping on a very standard Blue Point toasted lager. I wanted to try to get something on theme as is the theme, uh, but unfortunately I didn't have the time because I literally just got out of Venom right now. Um, so I'm sipping on this uh, drink instead. In terms of what I've been watching, I've been having a great time this week going through the new season of Big Mouth on Netflix. Uh, for those of you who are unaware, Big Mouth is an animated show made by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney, two of my favorite comedians uh, today. Uh, and it's all about the trials and tribulations of being 13 years old and the awkwardness of going through puberty and what that's like dealing with, uh, you know, your body changing, all these new feelings, as well as moving from being a innocent child into more like of the adult world that deals with a lot of issues like family problems uh you know like divorces things like that um uh, but it's incredibly funny it's super gross like it's really crass humor most of the time but it's also very smart and very intelligently written humor and uh both john mulaney and nick kroll are fantastic voice actors nick kroll does like three or four different voices in it um a lot of their buddies from other shows like jason manzoukas is in it uh, and they're all just absolutely fantastic. So I definitely recommend anybody who's interested in a little bit of crass humor to check out Big Mouth on Netflix. I mean, I like both of them. I really like John Mulaney's sort of um, stand-ups that he has on Netflix. So I really enjoyed him, especially when he um, starred and he like hosted SNL, which was great because he used to be a writer for that, I believe. Yeah. So that was pretty yep. cool. Dude, dude's and, hilarious. Uh, yeah. And last week they uh, they revealed that he's going to be one of the voices in the upcoming Into the Spider-Verse movie. Uh, yes, so is. we will uh, get a chance to see him in another Sony Spider-Man movie coming out this year. Oh, that'd be cool. I'm off down for that. I'm going to toss it over to the most uh, famous person that we have here on the show, uh, the host of the Fear Boners podcast, the beautiful and luxurious Mr. Andrew Abbott. Abbott, what's going on, man? How's it going? What you been sipping on and what you been watching? It's true. I'm I'm quite famous, but I got to be kind of off the grid. I don't know why I'm recording a podcast with you guys, but I'm I'm doing it. Um, right now I'm not drinking anything cause I just got here from a work outing where I slammed a whole bunch of beers on the company dollar. Uh, we were at some brewery where they had a pumpkin beer and is the season. So I had about 10 of those. It was called the basic witch, um, which is, which is kind of funny. Uh, but then, um, as far as what I'm watching, I'm rewatching going all the way through all the old Halloween movies, prepping for the new Halloween movie coming out in a couple of weeks, pretty pumped on that. Um, but otherwise remembering that most of them were sort of garbage. Uh, I did just peek the first episode of that new Purge series, um, which is actually better than I was thinking it was going to be. I mean, I saw a preview of it at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, but now that I sat through the first episode, um, it's pretty fun. If you are a fan of the Purge series, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, it's sort of set up 10 years after the first Purge, so considering that the first Purge was the most recent movie, it's kind of a big jump, but you kind of get a better idea of like people's preparation and what they consider going into it, so it's kind of interesting to see, like, the duality of how it began and where it is 10 years later. So that's kind of fun. I'm interesting to see where, where it leads after 10 episodes. Abbott is a Halloween three season of the witch worthy of the Halloween name. Yes. It, it definitely makes me think that it would have been really awesome if there was only ever one Michael Myers movie. And then every sequential Halloween movie after that was just like a different like spooky movie like they probably should have just done that because three is pretty amazing and it has nothing to do with any of the other movies yeah. <laughs> I haven't even heard I didn't even realize they made that many Halloween so I guess there's like cool. 69 of them Warren there's oh, 39 okay. 
Ah, okay, cool. That makes sense. Well, Ab, it is always great to see your face. I'm going to toss it over a gentleman who hasn't been here for a while. We don't really like him, uh, but we're just going to do what we need to do. Uh, Mr. Kyle, uh, what's going on, man? How's it going with you on the road, uh, playing your shows? What you been sipping on and what you been watching? It's good to be back, as always. I know you needed the ratings, so here I am. Um, <laughs> with that, no, I'm, uh, I've been good. I've been playing a lot of shows. Uh, Actor Observer has put out an album on No Sleep Records in late August, and since then we've been playing Providence, New Hampshire. We're doing Brooklyn in two weeks, Syracuse in three weeks, uh, and then probably Portland, Maine, and Burlington, Vermont uh, sometime in mid-November. So we're all over the place just trying to support that, and it's been really good. Uh, right now I'm sipping on a Smash Pumpkin by Shipyard. That I picked up on the way home and really watching. I, I, I canceled cable, so it's just whatever I can stream on football and the baseball season. Like I'm currently watching the Sox close it up against the Yankees right now. That's fair. I mean, um, I'm appreciate you being here. Um, hope that the Yankees win. So we're all excited about that. Uh, let me toss it over to the Shredder, who needs no introduction, but we all love him. Mr. Blewett, how's it going, man? Mr. Blue's Clues, what oh. you been sipping on, and what have you been watching? So I thought I was going to dip below, you know, 70 today. Uh, so I went out and tried to grab myself a nice fall beer, uh, and I got myself the limited edition Harpoon Dunks. And oh, how is that? It's, it's honestly pretty solid. I wish it was not 80 degrees out while drinking it. Because porters at 80 are, like, pretty brutal, but it's it's pretty good. Definitely not the season yet, yeah. Yeah, I mean, two days ago, it may be, but, like, it was not, perfect. not now. Uh, I also have a Gun Hill Brewing Company Chain of Command, uh, which is from the Bronx. So, Mocha, maybe check that out. <laughs> uh, I'm not from the Bronx, but thanks for the shout-out. No, I know, but it's, like, close enough, right? That's how it works. <laughs> Does it's the like, Harpoon Dunks taste like uh, a chocolate frosted or a Boston cream? Or you know, I don't drink the coffee. The floor of a Dunkin' Donuts? So, I have no idea. I will say this. It tastes like a porter up front, and then it tastes like coffee on the backside. It has a definite coffee aftertaste. A porter in the streets, a freak in the sheets? Yeah, pretty much. It's like a mullet of a beer. <laughs> Ew. That does not sound attractive. But uh, Shredder, Blue's Clues, it's great to see your face. I'm excited to get everybody's sort of opinion on this newest uh, film by Venom, especially because Sony has not had a good run at movies for a very long time. Actually, I think probably since that actual leak that came out, I think they just had a lot of flops since then. So I think this may be the their up-and-coming sort of scenario. So we'll see. But my name is Warren. I will be the host for this evening. Uh, what I'm currently sipping on so I can watch my figure. Uh, I invited my friend over and he drank all my whiskey. So I had to get some more whiskey. <laughs> so I have some uh, Jameson and Diet Coke. Thanks, Kyle. Um, so I have sipping on a Jameson and Diet Coke so I can watch my figure. And I actually, for the first time ever, uh, I read. I started reading. So I'm reading a book called Year of Rest. I finally got a a library card from the Boston Public Library, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. So I have uh, have not watched, I mean, I do watch a lot of stuff, as I normally do, but I do want to talk about this book, Year of Rest, Yes, by Shonda Rhimes, which is great. So I know we don't ever talk about reading books on this podcast, but people should check it out. Yeah, check it out. If you know how to read, there you go. Is there a movie of this And book? there goes half our audience. <laughs> <laughs> read? <laughs> So, uh, super pumped uh, about finishing and reading this book. I'm trying to find another activity besides watching movies and planes. 
and sleeping. So I'm going to try to see if I can turn to reading. So super pumped about that. So we got a good crew. I'm super excited. I definitely want to kind of go ahead and give us a break. And we actually going to get into the spoiler section of this film. So if you have not seen Venom yet in theaters now starring Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams, definitely go check it out. I mean, we saw a pre uh, like a pre-screening of it. And I think I'll still will buy a ticket to this movie. Um, so if you haven't seen the movie yet, pause the review, go grab a drink, go watch it, come back. Pick up where we left off, and we'll see you soon for a full spoiler section of Venom. are back and we are the downer front podcast super pumped to be talking about this movie we are in our spoiler section so if you haven't seen the movie just yet i would say you probably don't want to continue to keep listening because we will be spoiling the movie for you we're going to break up this movie into a couple different sections by three we'll talk about the actors characters and plot that we usually do uh, we do want to talk about a bit about the character design and the actual visuals for it because it was definitely a lot of cg and this is kind of the first time that we got a look of venom that looks Better than the old version that we got from Spider-Man 3. Ugh, terrible. Uh, and then lastly, we want to see if we can kind of lead off with some, you know, what happens next sort of scenarios. Some things that, you know, would we like to see in some of the universe and where does Sony go from here? Uh, so I'm going to toss it over to Kyle. Um, Kyle, talk to us a little bit about the characters, the acting, and a bit of the plot for Venom. Sure. Uh, I came into this movie with such low expectations. Just the idea that you're going to make your own Venom film devoid of any inclusion in the actual spider-man universe i just didn't think it would be able to be done uh i came away more surprised with how much i didn't hate it um that being said i don't think i was blown away or that it was like an incredible feat i just think they made a good time out of a movie that i didn't think they had enough legwork to actually build around and they were actually able to do a lot with basically focusing on the symbiotic relationship between brock and Venom itself, and just being able to have those two play off each other and go back and forth and then become one as they are, even though they did it a little quicker than I think they could have. They could have developed it a little bit better. It just seemed like suddenly they saw eye to eye. He's like, no, I'm not going to eat people, or maybe I will, but I'm going to save the planet because I think I like you. Um, but no, I thought the, the development kind of came along pretty well. I mean, it got Eddie at his worst so that he was at a low point but then the whole idea that he tried to say everything i thought was a little like foolhardy and uh fumbled a bit uh but i still had a good time with the with the film overall just i uh, really like i said the relationship between the two was my favorite part of it by the end of it like i enjoyed how much they played off of each other from uh brock not wanting to jump out of the building to different moments where uh venom was like say teasing brock about how he felt uh with his love interest, like those kind of things that I thought were really nice, but that that's my raw feeling. It's, I, it's, I, I liked it more than I thought I would, but I didn't think I'd like it at all. So that's not saying great things about it, but I still had a fun time with it. I mean, I definitely agree because uh, the only thing that I heard that they were coming out with the Venom film, I didn't know who was in the film at all. 
Um, but just for the fact that they're coming out with a Venom film, I thought it was a little weird. It's kind of like hearing you're going to come out with a Green Goblin film by itself. Um, and I was like, was, wasn't entirely sure exactly if I was going to like it, but I was curious to see about it. But uh, I'm curious to hear from uh, you, Brylin, what you got? Uh, yeah, so I would say like one of the big pluses of this movie is like Tom Hardy and his performance. It's definitely out of left field. He's definitely acts like a um, a fish out of water where we learn like he's only been in San Francisco for a couple years, but he's started to make a, like rebuild his reputation as a journalist and everything. We get a cute little montage about him doing some investigative journalism where he's just straight up just accusing people of doing bad things while walking around. Um, but uh, he actually makes an enjoyable Eddie Brock. Uh, he His accent, I mean, I don't know if that's a Brooklyn accent, but I'll take it as a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> I'm sure it's very unique. I mean, sitting, here, <laughs> sitting here in Boston, I could t- safely tell you that that is not a B- Brooklyn ac- accent. Like... <laughs> I think he asked for a pizza one time. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's enjoyable to see him just like uh, chew up scenery and uh, have these work quirky things where he's like jumping into a lobster tank and eating live lobsters and all sorts of craziness. And like uh, Kyle said, the relationship between Tom Hardy and the symbiote is the strong point of this movie, uh, especially the symbiote. Um, he likes tater tots. Uh, he gives like relationship advice. Um, he's also like a homicidal version of Balky from perfect strangers. Uh, <laughs> so he's, uh, he actually has a lot of personality for a piece of just CGI jello that's walking around. So it's really cool to see them build a personality out of it. And I wish they kind of doubled down on this relationship and made this movie about this relationship being built. Like I love, like one thing I really love is like, he tells Eddie why he likes him while stick with him because he's a loser with his people, just like Eddie's a loser as a human. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so how's the symbiote a loser compared to the other symbiotes? He just doesn't eat enough people or something. I don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm he like didn't have dive into that culture. Or something. He didn't have all the weapons. And I think they even kind of hinted at, you know, riot. He's a badass. He has all the weapons and the stuff like that. Yeah, he's a squad leader. Seemed like, yeah, exactly. So it definitely seemed like he was like a, uh, a private in a, uh, a platoon or an army and the, uh, the higher up dudes, like a general sort of thing. Yeah. But, uh, he, he also is enjoyable. I, I mean, I really like that. He's just like pushing Eddie in these different directions. He's even like, um, doing like the creepy thing that the crab from uh, Little Mermaid does, where he's like, "Kiss her, kiss her now." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was definitely fun. Hell of a parallel to draw. <laughs> it was definitely fun and enjoyable with that relationship going on. Oh yeah, yeah I uh, I definitely thought I love the fact that Tom Hardy just kind of took this role, and even though there was a lot to work with, like out of all of sort of what Warren was saying was thinking, oh, well, why would they make like a Green Goblin movie? Out of all of Spider-Man's bad guys, Venom has probably also sort of solidified his own mythos, his own running like story at this point. He's his own character. He can do this. Like it is kind of weird to present the movie without Spider-Man, but at the same time, like you could take an actor like Tom Hardy, who does very much method acting and kind of put his own stank on every role that he does. Like if you think about other things that he's done, he has, he has his, plethora of funny voices so of course he's going to make up this fake bronx brooklyn whatever garble that he spits out in this movie his characterizations his joking and 
earlier today I saw a, a website that published an article that said like Venom was the best sci-fi romantic comedy they'd ever seen where it's basically like a romance between Eddie Brock and the symbiote. And I thought that's amazing because it kind of is. They're sort of friends, but they're also a symbiotic relationship where they are very close and they have this intense physical relationship where like he's basically in him at what like they're inside of each other the whole time and it is like that was a great point brian it is sort of like a weird sexy like perfect strangers like it's it's really (laughs) bizarre and that's what i loved about it is how weird it is um but also it it borrows a lot from the comics and even nowadays like i've gotten a lot more into reading venom comics because there's a lot of venom comics out there that are straight up garbage because he's one of those characters that was pooped out in the 90s and kind of sucked for a long time but in the last few months they've had a great series that's reinvigorated the character and they're doing a lot of interesting things with him and so much so like to your other point where they introduce the other symbiote that has all these powers that venom doesn't have venom is constantly realizing he can like the symbiote is realizing oh yeah i can do that like in one of the comics he grows wings and they're like have you always been able to do that He's like, I guess so. And like, he can fly suddenly. And it's like, shit, like, that's really cool. And I'm excited to sort of see, you know, they don't really do that in this movie, but like, with a character like this, that's like a a moldable, bendable, like, work to your will sort of character, you can pretty much do anything. And I think they really do that well in this movie as well. Um, The one thing that I was sort of hoping more of in this movie was I was really hoping it was going to have more of a horror bent because. It was kind of hard to do that with the PG-13 rating, um, but they did definitely push it, which I was happy about. Like, there were people that got their heads bitten off, and he did talk about, yeah, like, eating you never, people. You never saw that on, on screen. It was the mouth You closes. did see that one, that one cop oh, that went barely, up, his head disappeared barely. in his mouth. You didn't see any blood. There was no blood, but you did see some heads pop off. And it, No, and it was cut away right away. Like, I, the it, one- that was a huge miss for me. There should have been so much blood. The one scene, though, where he he basically hulks that one, like, SWAT team member, and he just, like, swings him around by his leg and takes out the rest of the crew and just beats the shit out of everybody else with another dude, that was pretty cool. That was terrifying. He ragdolled the guy, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's a good point about the blood. Uh, To Booth's point about the blood, in that final scene where he eats the robber who, um, what you call, who robs the old lady, I yeah, Mr. Chen, I guess he eats him whole because when he walks out of the place, there isn't Absolutely anything on the ground. No blood, no blood yeah. nothing anywhere. There's no body. Yeah, there's nothing. There's no remainder. Well, in the comics, there's a very specific like, there's a very specific story about how like Venom and the symbiote sort of need to ingest like gray matter. Like there's a specific part of the brain that they need to eat to sort of get the the energy they need to survive. And they kind of sort of get into that like in the they don't directly point at it but like it would be cool if they got into more of the actual i feel like there's a lot of fudged science like there's a whole lot of fudged science in this movie Mm. that i think would have been really cool if they expanded on it would have been a lot creepier yeah yeah uh brown i i thought tom hardy really sold the physical side of things really well like him moving around without the symbiote was fun to watch but man that accent sucked it it just every time he opened that his (laughs) mouth it kind of took me out of the movie i was like oh that's not what he sounds like in real life. You know, like every other actor doing these things, you can kind of make believe that like Christian Bale doesn't have a British accent. You know, he does those things well enough. And this is just, it sounded like me trying to impersonate anything else but me because I have terrible <laughs> accents. It's like, oh, no, and that's not really what you sound like. That's what I think is really endearing about it is like that it's, it's, it's a unique accent, regardless that you can't pinpoint its origin. That 
you can't, even though we know Eddie Brock's from New York. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to say this is a New York accent, but it's a unique enough accent where, yeah, he's standing out from everybody else in this movie. And I think that was really important for him to do to actually sell Eddie Brock as a character. Well, I mean, that's the, the discussion that we can get into. I, Again, I would have talked about this a little later, but like Sony doesn't know what they want to do. They referenced New York. They referenced how he grew up there um, and they referenced he had to leave. But they also had this nonsense, non-New York accent to try and set him apart as like, hey, this isn't like your grandfather's Venom. This is like the new Venom we're going to promote and like usher in this Spider-Verse without Spider-Man thing they're trying to do. So it, the accent's really weird because it's so different, but it's not a San Franciscan, and they don't make a ton of references back to New York. They literally make the the one reference just to appease people that are going to complain that, oh, this isn't Venom, he's not, you know, the New York reporter. It, it, that was just such a throwaway line for me. Yeah, that's, I mean, probably, and that's probably a business decision where they oh, totally, a hundred percent. That was a let's get Eddie Brock out of New York because we cannot reference Spider Man until 2019. Yeah, and, and it's pretty much following the plot of Lethal Protector to a point with this. Yeah, and no, also, I also thought that, it was weird that I, I think I've, I've heard him do a better New York accent in another movie that he doesn't do in this movie. I got to definitely check and look it up, but I thought it was, I thought it was, I was kind of, I thought it was kind of strange. Maybe Locke or was he English and Locke? I'll think about it. Uh, but what you got Abbott? Oh, I was going to say like the, um, to, to actually use a New York accent, you have to pay, uh, very, uh, it's very expensive. The copyright on the New York accent. Has anybody seen the drop? Because no. he does a great fucking New York accent in the drop. And no, never heard of it. Yeah, okay. So I was like, I could have sworn I saw a movie that he does a very believable New York accent. So if you look at the drop, if you ever watch the movie, which is actually a pretty solid movie, I think, um, check that movie out and watch that movie and then look back at the Venom and you can tell why this accent, whatever that he was doing in this movie was not very good. Um, so I don't we know if he like, can do it. This is a unique neighborhood accent from like 38th and B and leave it at that <laughs> uh, what i know it sounded more like it was from like the southern tier of upstate new york than anything <laughs> yay <laughs> yay the, the the accent bothered me a lot less than <laughs> that's not how we sound at all that's how you sound <laughs> probably the, the bad guy the super scientist doctor guy as a bad guy can we talk about him for a hot second because he kind of sucked riz ahmed yeah yeah his character was just dumb like Whatever, who's, get him out of there. He's like your boring. standard, like yeah, technocrat that stereotypical. wants to save the world through greed. He was, and a, it he work. was like a second-rate that guy from Upgrade. Yeah, which <laughs> that guy from Upgrade, I'm pretty sure half of us thought he sucked, anyways. Yeah, he was terrible. Yes. I, 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 I like him. <laughs> that guy is what a lot of the uh, like freaking. Um, like flat earthers and random trolls on Twitter think Elon Musk is in real life. <laughs> oh Jesus! They oh, should have had a no, scene yeah. where where his character smoked some some blunts on a podcast. That'd be awesome. You know, his character Carlton Drake, like he's from the comics. Carlton Drake is the head of the Life Foundation in the comics. Yep. 
But Carlton Drake also doesn't matter in the comics because yeah. the point of the Life Foundation is to introduce us to Venom's children, which Riot is one of them. Uh, Riot, originally in the comics, was one of five symbiotes that were pulled out of the Venom symbiote when Eddie Brock got captured by the Life Foundation in order to uh, like create their own personal army of symbiotes. So, like it was, I thought it was an odd choice for them to choose Riot as the villain um, because there's a very specific like storyline with Riot as well as several other symbiotes. Um, but also, like, there wasn't anything interesting to him in this movie. He was just a clone of Venom brought in to have Venom have something to fight at the very end. Uh, and there was just not, nothing really imaginative or interesting to it. And they took a character that didn't really have any business doing anything, well, being the focus. In well, the, movie. the whole side story of him hitchhiking back to New York was just <laughs> dumb. Like, first, like, first they kill off, like, essentially they kill off John Jameson, who's a cool character if they actually kept him. And then... Which was unnecessary. They didn't need to transfer the, the the riot symbiote from John Jameson to some random Asian ambulance driver, and then to some little girl, little girl so she dog. could get on a fucking airplane. <laughs> like, like what was the point of all that stuff? It was just like weird, distracting side story that didn't really matter. Yeah. I cannot agree more. They could have. They could have had the, the stereotypical. They could have the stereotypical like, you know, need to stop Venom so the the bad guy steps into the chamber himself. Like, they could have easily have just recovered all the symbiotes and then just been on with it, you know? Like, there was no reason for that. Honestly, Mocha, I... I, Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that, for me, it was super exciting when I saw the lab in the Life Foundation, and they showed that they had at least one guy who had successfully bonded with a symbiote, and the homeless girl had successfully bonded, at least to an extent, that they had multiple subjects, because to me, that screamed... Oh, all four, all five of the symbiote children are going to be here. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be Phage. It's going to be Scream. It's going to be Riot, Lasher, and Agony, like all of them. Uh, but then they just wiped all that clean, got rid of the whole idea of the host, and then we're just like, oh, we'll just give one of them to this, like the the head of this foundation because he's had the most screen time so far. So why not? Yeah, I was hoping they were going to show Jenny Slate as Scream because yeah. I think Scream has just such a badass colorization to her, and mm. she might have been a more interesting choice for a. Uh, antagonist for Venom in this movie. Is she yeah, the green absolutely. one? No, she's uh, the she's red the... and orange one. Oh, yeah. Okay. The fact that she didn't turn into Scream was a shock to me because they set it up perfectly. They locked her in the room. They gave her symbiote. She was trying to stop things in the first place. So it gives you like a uh, a reason to feel compassion, empathy for her as a viewer when she yeah. turns bad, bad and starts fighting Venom. But then they're like, nope, she just died. Oh well, she died. That's it. Let's move on. It they was just, just like. There were some scenes there that just were also nonsensical and not necessarily the one scene where like the one symbiote dies and it just cuts it away and he's just like, This symbiote came out. Like what it's dead. What why did you let it die? And then it just cuts to another scene. It's like, okay, that's to just let us know there's one less symbiote. But then yeah. also that one guy who bonded successfully, we don't know what happened to him. That never like that was like a it never like that side story never finished. We just saw that happen and then voila, yeah. like he's fodder for the next movie or lord knows what a lot of editing issues in this movie for sure because yeah. it was there definitely of kind of cuts. jumping there's a lot of yeah weird cuts like very very odd cuts that i was like i i don't know why you switched to that all of a sudden but yeah i, I guess that's yeah. what you want to do one of the craziest cuts is like i mean be, basically because this movie has no plot to it at all is that the venom symbiote exactly. pretty much chooses which way to take the story at one point yeah. oh, where yeah. he just says <laughs> it's all like, his win yeah, he, he pretty much just says, um, I'm going to do this because I want to. And that's yeah. it. That sets up the next scene for us. Yep. And I was like, wow, I can't believe they actually 
made something <laughs> either is it's either written that bad or they're just like, hey, let's just be ballsy as hell and just say, this is the next scene. Get ready, folks. Well, they had the weird time jump in there. They, they literally, it, to me, they were dancing around not knowing what they were going to do next. You know, like they, yeah. they didn't have a set plan for this movie. So they're just like, screw it. We have this deuce ex machina in there. And then that's just going to guide us. I, I think one of you all noted that like, they that you kind of liked the fact that there wasn't a ton of backstory to me that was a that was a negative because they didn't have any backstory because they had nothing interesting to say about this you know every single thing they they included in like or didn't include in it was because they hadn't figured out how to actually realize that on screen i will say this this yeah. is my main point on uh on plot and all that fun stuff is that superhero movies mostly follow the hero cycle, right? You know, like someone unassuming to just like they make the realization farm boy in a desert. Yeah, planet. exactly. They make the realization that they're incredible. They go through trials and tribulations, suffer a huge loss, and then they rise up again. And then you know that's the victory there. This movie didn't have that. It's straight up, straight up. Like, like think, try and think about. What the personal challenge for either Venom or Eddie Brock to overcome? I will say this, like, uh, Venom, his whole thing was he was originally going to go back and then get everyone else to enslave humanity or eat humanity or whatever. But then he just, like, without any sort of context is just like, I like Earth Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he literally, literally just said, "I've changed my mind, and I've decided to there was, there was, So there was yeah. nothing. Okay. There was nothing that he overcome there to understand yeah. why like- Earth is there. I will say this from the Eddie Brock side of things: is his big like you know moral dilemma was that uh, Eddie Brock now eats people. You know, like he he is carrying <laughs> this thing inside of him that has di- a diff- literally a different personality, a hunger for flesh. But, and tater tots. But the the way that the plot was structured is that the first half of the movie moved so unbelievably slow, and they had to put that freaking time jump to get you to like the fast part. And then once the yeah. symbiote takes over, they had like this incredibly rushed thing that I, I'm pretty sure the back half of the movie took like what 36 hours tops, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like so, so you never you never got to see Eddie Brock struggle with the the realization that he is now a super like he's now a meta human because it just took so little time like he 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 found out he had powers and he got shot at and he didn't get stopped getting shot at until the end of the movie there there was no personal journey of like how are we going to do this um so i will say like you you gotta have some sort of central conflict even like the whole thing about riot with the weapons uh, and Mocha, you you talking about how Venom slowly realizes that he's got it all built in on him anyways. There's so much in there that, like, he never had the realization that he can do all those stuff. Like, Riot always had the fun toys. He never had the, the opening moment of, like, oh, yeah, I have the Smash Ball, too. Or I have these crazy blades that I can whip out. It was, like, pure vanilla that he beat him with. It was stupid. There yeah. was no growth on any of these characters. Oh, no. I'll say to uh, Blue, to your point about Sony just not really knowing what they wanted to do with it. It felt really, really clear to me in this movie, more so than anything else, that they are just trying to use as much of the property as they can in order to establish some sort of foothold so that they don't have to give 
uh, anything back to Marvel when uh, when, the, when the time for the next renegoti- renegotiation comes. Um, this was something that kind of like from from announcements about upcoming movies, it seemed clear. Like they announced Venom, but then also they announced Black and White. Um, they announced a Mobius uh, movie, Morbius, excuse me. Uh, and it was just like clear, like oh, they're just trying to knock out stuff to get it on screen. And I thought, okay, maybe we'll see in this Venom movie an attempt to like anchor themselves for the wider universe or an attempt to like tell a story, like kick off a really strong story to drive forward, which should be their franchise, their main franchise protagonist uh, moving forward into this universe. And it didn't do any of that. It just threw together a bunch of things. So that way they could quickly uh, like get out a Venom movie with some good graphics. And I'll admit that the graphics looked good, even though it was really difficult to follow any of the interesting fight scenes. Um, like the the images of, of Venom just standing there or talking to Eddie as it's like floating head, like it all looked good, but there was nothing else beyond that that shine. Yeah, yeah and speaking of confusing things too, uh, just one more actor I wanted to bring up was uh, Michelle Williams. She's an amazing actress. What's she doing in this movie? Yeah, why? Didn't, didn't I can't matter. agree. I cannot. I cannot agree with you more. Although I would say, you know, Michelle Williams has been in some great stuff, and this is like her time to shine. So feel free to like, you know, feel free to do whatever that she wants. I think I definitely want to see her in more things. I've seen her in musical. I've seen her in a bunch of other th- um, uh, movies. Even last year, that was Oscar worthy. That she actually got snubbed for the nomination, but everybody still likes her. So I think you know. I know. It probably wasn't in the best movie, but I think we you know, she at least kind of stepped out of that role of, you know, though she did in this movie, stepped out of that role, like had a bit more of a focal point um, and at least kind of got into in this kind of comic book sort of scenario, which is a little bit more campy, a little bit more fun. So I'm almost I'm, I'm always down to see more Michelle Williams. So I never will mind that at all. Yeah, so, she has like less character development in this movie than Rachel McAdams had in Doctor Strange. To, to piggyback on what you're saying, Warren, if you think about it, even though she didn't have like any s- severe screen time, she did wear the symbiote and kill four guys. Like She was yeah, Venom that... for a hot second, which was pretty cool. And then sort of... Lady Venom was around. pretty cool and that kiss was really... Intense. Uh, I don't know if it was intense <laughs> or sexy, but it was really interesting. Oh, the I mean, who was kissing who? Was Eddie Brock actually kissing the symbiote, or was he kissing Michelle Williams? All of it all at once. Yeah, that's one thing that I did appreciate about this movie. At least they gave us one solid deep cut there. Like Anne Weying is a character from it's like Eddie Brock's estranged wife in the comics. She does bond with the Venom symbiote to save her life uh, a couple of times to become She Venom. Uh, you know, in the in the comics, the experience of murdering people as She Venom. Uh, drives her crazy and she throws herself off a roof and kills herself because she can't deal with it. Which honestly would have been a great angle to take with Eddie Brock. Like, what is it? What is it like when you realize that you're killing people because an alien is possessing you and forcing you to do things against your will? Um, but, but I that's at least how they appreciated like dumbed that cut. it down, though. Like, that's what I was gonna say is leading back into like how they don't really do a lot of deep explanation of like, oh well, what's his power set or what's his origins? Because at one point when she does eat that guy's head, she powers or she gives him back the symbiote and she's like oh my gosh, I ate that guy's head. And that's it. She just kind of dismisses it like that she ate someone's head. But then earlier in the movie, when uh, Eddie Brock gets flung off a motorcycle and completely wrecked, and then he swims across the the New York Harbor or the San Francisco Bay, and he gets up and he's like, he has that weird moment where he's like, oh, my, my legs were all messed up. My legs were all messed up. What are, what? oh, my legs are fine. 
And that's it. Like, he's just accepting it. He accepts it. She accepts it. It's blown over. This is Venom the movie. They're aware that they're in a movie. And that's what's so weird about this, because it does very much feel like a a pre-MCU Marvel movie from, like, 2003, 2004. But also, to counteract that, like, that's sort of Sony's angle, is they are building this thing, and they're referencing from when they were originally still at the helm in those days, But Marvel right now, what they're doing, just to bring that back around to the comics, is they're making these new Venom comics where they're completely rewriting the Venom origin story to be completely different from from what we just saw in this movie, which is kind of funny because they are kind of working together, but at the same time, they're sort of trying to work against each other at the same time. So guys, I know we want to definitely talk about it. We're going to go to the next section, but we still got to come back and see how much time we got. Um, Let's talk about the next moment here. Uh, let's talk a bit about the character design and a bit, a bit about the actual visuals. So I'll start with you, Mr. Bryland. Uh, yeah, I really like the design of the symbiote and the uh, Venom suit itself. Uh, whenever he suited up, it looked really cool, even though it was crazy that he grew like five feet whenever he did it. I thought that was kind of weird. Uh, but I thought they did some really neat choices to like like make the symbiote still kind of moving and stuff on his body, kind of like how they kind of portray it in uh, the uh, comic books. He kind of, he very ha- he very much has like the Todd McFarlane mouth with the super long tongue and the big mouth and everything, which is very iconic for the character. Um, and the thing with the uh, visuals is I actually found myself enjoying the action scenes when it was you, we kind of see Eddie, we kind of see the suit pop out of him. Um, when he's fighting like the cops that have come or the um, security guards that had come to his apartment and stuff. I thought that was neat because it kind of conveys like how blue is talking about Eddie. Uh, Tom Hardy was using a lot of physicality, like kind of like that same thing of like having to look in the opposite direction and all the action happening in a different direction with your body. It kind of relied on that similar type of practice, which was really cool. Um, I did think like him breaking his leg and everything was really neat and like having the symbiote fix it every time like someone got magically healed. I thought that was a really cool uh, visual. But also at the same time, this movie has a budget of $100 million. And a lot of times you could see that budget really clearly, especially during like that motorcycle scene. Uh, It seemed like they were going down the same street over and over. But also when the explosions started going off, they were actually very symmetric and in parallel with one another and you could actually see the uh the mines or the um or the explosives set on the street ready to go off which is pretty hilarious yeah also it was really strange to me that a whole section of this movie was designated to just kamikaze drone strikes like it just came out of nowhere and yeah. served no purpose <laughs> other than there just be a flashy um like it's this isn't even and even a, oh i haven't seen it in the comics before thing this is just like it was just dumb. Like you're a multi-billion dollar company or a multi-million dollar company that is putting out a public face about how it is like not shady. And you send your enforcers out there. And the first thing they do to capture somebody is release 20 drones into the streets that bomb it and explode like, like willy nilly <laughs> without doing anything else other than just exploding. It was just very odd. And an obvious grab for just a visual uh, you, like feast. You notice all the flames are blue too. Yeah. Like, they yeah. weren't like yeah. normal flames. They were like definitely pyrotechnics. Yeah, I mean, it literally looked like the fireworks display was just put on the street. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say that the um, the the chase scene in general was kind of a, a low point for the movie for me, especially like visuals or special effects wise, because it makes me think back to um, have any of you seen the the original Spawn movie? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Where he has that awesome chase scene where he uses his cape to turn the motorcycle into the badass like ramming vehicle, and like that was cooler than what we just saw in this Venom movie. Like that would have been a cool aspect to have in this movie. I feel like they should have consulted Todd McFarlane a little bit more in this Venom movie. That would have been great. I really wish they would have, because that dude's great. He's awesome. Uh, Blue, what do you got for the uh, character designs and visuals? Yeah, um, I like the design better than I thought. Um, I loved how it had like a, a viscous, almost you know, thick, watery feel uh, to it. Um, that was definitely necessary, I think, in true form with the character. Um, I kind of. So, fun fact, I enjoyed the smoke scene uh, fight when he got down to the bottom of that news agency. To me, that was like a very good midway thing. Because the way they structured it, because what what I talked about before, that there's no actual uh, development of any of these characters, um, what they had to show was that uh, Venom operating at a very high level, but held back by something. And that held back by something was literally the audience's perspective on Venom. Um, you could kind of see these half cool shots, but everything was obscured, which then sets you up to go full bore in the the last action scene. So the way that they did it, again, in the total narrative, stupid, but for that scene, I understood why they lit it in uh, that way, and it kind of worked for me. Um, that being said, that final action scene was hot trash. The fact is that they, you had two basically black symbiotes going against each other at night was stupid you couldn't tell where one began and one ended and that can be kind of fun in some situations but in this case it just it it's an action film like show me the action they had so this movie was definitely primarily cgi'd and they did the whole jason bourne quick cut you know a thousand quick cuts so you can't actually see anyone it just looks like they're punching faster than they are but the thing is though that if you cgi this much you don't need to quick cut it because you're not limited by a human being you could just do a long a long cut and have some digital artists perfect literally everything about it so there is no reason to do that it just confused the action um i will say this though uh i did from a design perspective love eddie brock's eyes uh this harkens back to literally two days ago when we talked about a star is born where uh bradley cooper's eyes really perfected that that role of uh spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen that movie but like the alcoholism that was consuming him um eddie brock's eyes just throughout the films got darker and darker and kind of more like pointed down towards his nose like the shadowing the makeup around his eyes were almost like an anti-venom because his eyes were black and then you know they'd switch and be white um and i thought that was a really cool progression throughout the film partly because he stayed up for like 40 hours straight you know because this movie didn't breathe after the first half of it um so it made sense chronologically but it also made sense like kind of metaphorically as well um my last thing though just give me blood give me, like this movie was supposed <laughs> to be r dude you cannot you cannot I'm docking you points that we don't actually count here, but this movie was supposed to be R. All the way through the first trailer, Tom Hardy was, like, adamant that this is going to be a super violent, like, Deadpool-esque version of Spider-Man, essentially. And then they, in the last 
four months, they neutered him. Like, he, he was out. I remember the, the, when the trailer dropped, I watched it because he was at some crazy conference in, I think, Brazil or something. And he was yeah. like, yeah, you guys are going to be, like, ex- excited. We're like, there's, there's so much blood. Like, there's so much violence. There's cursing and everything. They said the F word once, which is fine by our, you know, PG-13 standards. But there was no blood and there was no cursing. I think they had one sex joke in it, and it was like super awkward. It amazes well, it, me it's, that it's after interesting w- that you say that blew it that um you uh, that you want blood, but like also Venom in the comics, even though he's a violent character, he never really has any blood or gore. It's always implied violence with him, and I think that's kind of smart that they did that. Even though they say they shot the movie for an R, so we might get an R cut. Yeah, but that's like the that's like I, Batman versus Superman. I don't think you need to release a director's cut for your movie to fulfill what was promised. I mean, yeah, Tom so Hardy promising there. isn't the studio promising. So right, no, the so studio points, said it too. Yeah. Sorry, Mocha. No. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's right. Two Pull points the there. Tapes. So <laughs> one, the notion like I am completely against uh, an emergent trend of releasing a shitty movie and then afterwards giving us a cut that is different. Fuck that noise. Do it right the first time. Let me see the good movie when it's on the screen. I don't want to have to buy a Blu-ray or download a digital copy just to see the movie that I already paid $25 to see because I live in New York and it's expensive out here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Part two, man, uh, took a while to get to this point. uh, So I don't know if I remember part two. But yeah, I'll stand by that at the very least for now. Well, Um, leaving some... Oh, oh, yeah, that's it. The fact that I can't believe that at this point, after two successful Deadpool movies, Sony wouldn't just read the wind and say, oh, we can make this a superhero movie R and be immensely successful with it. Especially like, the like, anti-hero. Also yeah, with like, Logan it's, being it's, so successful. Yeah, saying that, oh, we're going to, yeah. like, leaving, like, hints or maybe filming the original cut to be R-rated and then, tw- you know, change it at the last minute so it really says PG-13. It's not like you're taking a risk. The proof of concept is there three times over. Like R-rated superhero movies can be extremely successful. They work. All right, guys. So we have moved into a, a bit of a section of what do we think the word's going to go next? I know we haven't quite talked too much about you know some of the other spoiler uh, sections here. I was kind of surprised at the fact that um, I think we looked at it with Abbott, or I think it was with Kyle. I looked at. Um, Woody Harrelson's name was the third person shown on the IMDb page. IMDb page. Oh yeah, that's which, how much money they paid him. Yeah, but come on, that's that's pretty <laughs> fucking terrible. Now, got him on retainer. No one has ever looked dumber than Woody Harrelson with that curly red hair. Oh, Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy looks like Carrot Top on meth. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so good though. It's gonna be so good if it ever actually happens. Yeah, no, I, I, just, I mean, I have all trust in Woody Harrelson. I bet he even though he's not really looking the part of Cletus Cassidy, I bet he could bring an interesting Cletus Just Cassidy channel some, to the board. Yeah, channel some natural born killers yeah. and crank up the fucking, like, he looks like a fucking, like, weirdo and Give him, you know, the next movie. They're already saying, like, oh, it doesn't have to be R just because Carnage is in it. And it's like, yeah, it kind of does. When you bring in Carnage, yeah, you need the gore. <laughs> well, I'm curious to get, you know, some thoughts from everybody. So quick thoughts before we get into our conclusion. So quick thoughts. Kyle, what do you think happens next? Where do you want to see uh, Venom go? From here? I want to see how Venom can contend with symbiotes that are more powerful than him. We only got a brief vision of it. Like, with, he doesn't know what he can do. 
and basically he got lucky and sacrificed himself in this last fight. So now he's going to contend with someone who, if it's Cletus Cassidy, and if that's what they're going to obviously hint at, that's a whole other factor of it because Eddie Brock, at his core, is still a good person, and that's what helps rein in Venom. Um, what you have with Cletus Cassidy is the exact opposite. This is someone with bloodlust. So you add a symbiote to that that's hungry for power anyways. I want to see how that dynamic would work out, but that's what I want to see happen. Who knows what we'll actually get because I am in full agreement that would have you you gotta take it over the top. That's exactly what Carnage is. Like, yeah. It's just over the top. Blow it, what you got? Yeah, so I think part of your question was like, do you want to see it in the MCU? Uh it had a trash origin. I don't want this integrated, which is too bad because um I think that Hardy could have been a very good uh MCU Venom. Um, I agree with Abbott that earlier, what he said about the horror theme, I thought you could almost have done more of like a stalker type thing where you don't really show the symbiote and you just kind of like do more of that miss scene, um, where it's just slowly creeping up to, to Eddie. Like, I think he should have really arrived in the last third of the movie, whereas we got a little bit too much confusing time kind of in the middle of like them not really figuring each other out, but coexisting together. Um, let's see, uh, no, I hate that thing now. (laughs) Cool story. Hang on one second. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, I think that they also, as we talked about before, they lose points because they don't really know what villains they're going to be able to use for Sinister Six. Um, Marvel is definitely going to have a couple surprises for us in the next Spider-Man, uh, movie, and they're probably going to set up you know, kind of additional storylines that they can use after, uh, let's say the Avengers kind of has run its course. Um, and so at this, it's kind of like a waiting point. I mean, granted, they probably know behind the scenes on what Disney's going to use, but they, they don't seem like it, you know, like they don't, they don't seem like they know what Disney's going to do and therefore can, can plan their own sinister six movie. Um, which really kind of hurts it because all these references that they make to the expanded world, they couldn't really do because they, they, you know, like Oscorp never comes up, which granted, I don't think it's going to be that big. But like when you're forming a superhero team or supervillain team, that's an obvious one to throw in. Um, I will also say this, that it was a such a miss for me with that last um, credit scene. Did everyone stay till the end? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I did. So did I just watch a two hour ad for the Spider-Verse movie? <laughs> like seriously so, I, yeah like why was that included it, that should have been at the front of the film yeah. yeah it should have been at the front i was happy about it because i'm personally extremely excited for that movie so getting a teaser of a full scene from it uh got me especially excited in addition it made me realize that the trailers on computer screens do not do no justice for the christmas of the animation mm. it looks really good in IMAX it looks really good it got me beyond hype but i agree you're right it should have been at the beginning of the film yeah, it's that was great like, that it was at the end. Is Tom Hardy going to show up CGI in an animated film? Probably. As Venom. Like, I, like, it just, it was well, confusing. Why the hell did they do it? It should have been in the front, like, freaking frozen in front of Coco. Hated that. That's, oh, no. that's what I'm wondering. If they're introducing the concept of the Spider-Verse, there could very easily be, like, a Sony Spider-Verse and a Marvel Spider-Verse. They could do that if they reach some sort of bizarre agreement after a while it would be difficult and a little convoluted but they could totally splash venom into the the 
the current MCU that way. They can no, poop they out a whole won't. bunch of I characters mean, granted, that way. There is a spider there is a spider verse in both Marvel and Sony right now. Uh they just really they can't not talk to each other like the X X Men, but they just shouldn't talk. And it's stupid. The whole thing's dumb. It's it's a bunch of legal thing. I'm glad that we got Spider-Man for Avengers and Civil War, but like just freaking let it go, Sony. Like let it let it go. Just like Frozen. That's the second Frozen reference I'll, I'll make right now. I mean, the movie's great. Mocha, what do you think you was going to go? Um I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty clear that they're going for a Carnage movie next. Um, and I don't know how they're going to go about that, and I don't know how I feel about it, only because they spent so much time in this movie showing us uh, a, a conflict between a symbiote and a symbiote, and Carnage is a symbiote. Yes, he's a different style than Venom and Eddie Brock. He's much like sleeker and way more inventive about the weapons he creates with his body, and way more brutal, at least in the comics, but it's still just going to be another symbiote versus symbiote movie, so unless they start integrating other parts of their Spider-Verse into it, I don't see how it doesn't come out as a still PG-13, but somehow a more implied violent uh, version of the same movie. Um, uh, Yeah, I don't really know. I have no idea what Sony wants to do with this. And I just wish that they would come to an agreement with Marvel, similar to what they did with Spider-Man, where they allow Kevin Feige and the Disney crew to make all the money for them, let the MCU integrate everything everything they want have it all built in their sony's name have sony get the profits or whatever whatever they need just let marvel do a good job with these characters yeah i don't see anything wrong with that abbott what you got uh maximum carnage or bust if they're actually going to go through it they might as well go through it all the way or like i said before if they wind up doing split universe bullshit like whatever millions of dollars project they wind up splitting between marvel and sony i feel like there's a way it could work and there's probably a ton of fan theories already gesticulating out there um but uh yeah i'm excited to see what they do with it i was like i said before i was happier with this movie than i thought it was it wasn't great but it's definitely not fucking eric foreman topher grace oil (laughs) baby bullshit from spider-man 3 oh my god (laughs) at least it wasn't worse than that fucking terrible i don't know how they do maximum carnage uh Abbott without without figuring Captain out the rest America. of the Spider-Verse because the whole Minimum point of Maximum Carnage. Carnage is that it's a massive ensemble. It's a whole bunch of villains and then a whole Cap's bunch of like heroes. Cap's like a key flashing. player in Maximum Carnage too. Cap's a key player. The Fantastic Four are massive players. Yep. Uh, Firespot, or not Firespot, Sun, Sunbird, I think. Firestorm. Separation oh, yeah. anxiety. They could do anything with like the, Firestorm, multiple, right, Kyle. the multiple symbiotes. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to Brylan. What you got for what do you want to see next? Uh, yeah, I personally don't think I need a sequel to this <laughs> film, but um, it looks like it's going to happen because this film is definitely very financially successful. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see Woody Harrelson's take on Carnage. That would bring me back to the sequel of this film, even though it's going to be symbiote on symbiote action. Again, Carnage is probably the most unique symbiote, uh, and it's uh, going it. They could definitely pull it off because they showed like the CGI, the CG. They can definitely do it for the symbiotes, and Carnage would definitely be a big challenge. I just hope that they uh, make a more interesting story, a story with like plot and characters and stuff like that. That'll uh, give me some very cool reasons to find Cletus Cassidy to be creepy as hell and why he's such a threat to Venom. Uh, that's what I want to see in the next movie. As for the 
far future, I think the Mad Titan Kevin Feige will just buy Sony when he's ready to. I mean, if it comes to that, he he'll just turn on his gauntlet and just cut Sony in half. Yeah, he stands out of his leather chair. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll do it myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think with Venom, it's pretty unique property where Sony could take it in their own direction. It might be neat to do like have like a couple movies with Eddie Brock, and then switch to Agent Venom, and then uh, switch to another host that had the Venom symbiote, and kind of like continue the story of the symbiote, but continue to show these different characters that have been part of the symbiosis of Venom. I mean, so sitting right now, Venom has made just about $90 million um, since opening weekend. So that's domestic as of today or yesterday. So it's definitely made over $90 million. It's Overseas, a- it's made a hun- over $130 million. So in foreign, it's over 130 So movie's doing well. So we're definitely going to see. A se- I'm sure we're going to see some sort of sequel. What we definitely will see. I'm surprised we didn't see You know, Venom will return. I'm, I'm sure. That, I don't know if they can do that or not. But I'm surprised we didn't see that at the end of this movie here. Um, I am down to kind of see this character again. Um, definitely not in the movie on its own. I'd like to see, you know, less of what they build on it and look at it more of the fact that, okay, we're kind of done. I think we need to be kind of one and done with these single movies. We have so much other things out there that things need to start collaborating more a a little bit quicker. Um, so it'd be cool to see at least something else i don't know if you have to kind of go to marvel but i like the movie i i was pretty enjoyed about it so i'm I'm down to kind of see this character again i'm pretty sure they're i hope they actually change at least what eddie brock's accent was but i think it'd be cool to see um him in more films as venom and with that we are the Down in Front Podcast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in to uh, listening to us. Uh, we can go around. It says, uh, Mr. Kyle, where can people find more of your work and shows and amazing things you do at the AO, Actor Observer? For sure. Uh, we can be found on Spotify for Actor Observer, also on Apple Music, uh, SoundCloud, any ways that you can find streaming music. We're up there for Actor Observer. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook. Or Twitter, all under Actor Observer, all one word. Uh, that's where we post all our flyers, or show updates, any upcoming releases, things like that. We'll be posting through mostly those channels, and everything that was going up and going to stream is going to be on those channels you find there. Always good to hear your voice and see your face. Uh, Abbott, where can people find more of your work? Yeah, we're actually um, celebrating currently the uh, one-year anniversary of Fear Boners, being part of the Down and Front crew. Uh, thank you for mm-hmm. giving us the opportunity to uh, spout the uh, the nonsense of my love of horror movies. Uh, but you can find more uh, nonsense over at Fear Boners D-I-F-P on Twitter, or you can email me directly at fearbonersdifp at gmail.com. And Mocha, where can people find more of your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, fighting off the darker urges of the voices in my head at Mocha Mike Li, as the Lord intended. Uh, unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. Uh, that gentleman bonded with my Twitter name first, and it killed him, and I can't get his password. Uh, so until then, it's at Mocha Mike Li. You can also find me on Instagram at Mocha Mike, where I post some of my photography work. Medium.com at Mocha Mike, where I post uh, some longer form reviews of the movies we talk about here. And also, you can tune in uh, to our friend's podcast, Not Another uh, Gaming Podcast, where I will be joining as a guest host this week. So I'll be with Dr. Bob, Papa Dom, and Sticky Butt Chris 
uh, talking about video games and more. So uh, definitely tune in. They've got a good show. Awesome. I um, hope that you also know that our podcast is better. So yeah. Yeah, I said it down. Uh, Brylan, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find me speaking my authentic Brooklyn accent on Twitter at Brylund, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. You can also find me posting many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland, And I'm the host of the Gamescast, twitch.tv slash podcast. We are still playing through Spider-Man. We are taking our time, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, I'm always pumped to kind of watch those. I'm sad that I'm missing them because I've been working or traveling, but I'll really enjoy having them on in the background while I am working if I can attend. So it's definitely cool to see. And the Shredder, Blue It, where can we find more of your work? All right. You can sign sign up for uh, the mailing list at thefuturecomingmynews.com. Uh, as soon as I finish coding it, it should come out at the same time as our EP, probably looking about 2023 for that. Um, as for uh, normal social media, you can look at uh, My News Music or My News Band for most major platforms. Uh, kind of looks like My Anus, but you got to put the, the underscore in the, the different place. Um, as for reaching out to me personally, you could reach out to jessierandisinsideofme.com. Uh, that is a new website that we've, we've started really celebrating the symbiotic relationship that Jesse Rand has with all of us. You can also shoot him an email at he's got Jesse Rand up his ass too <laughs> at hotmail.com. Can we get that email one more time? Uh, Jesse Rand he's is got inside Jesse of me. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you both said that at the same time. That's perfect. Very sy- symbiotic. Check out more of our work at downfrontpodcast.com. You're going to find a bunch of our information of you know what we look like, our um, actual introductions, lots of information that we have there. If you like what we do, you can ch- definitely check us out anywhere and everywhere that we are. So I mean, Google Play Store, we're going to be on Stitcher, just everywhere. Search for it, downfrontpodcast.com. We're on Twitter under- at underscore DAFP. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash downfrontpodcast. If you like what we do and you want to get some of our early episodes, some of our bonus episodes and materials, we've been doing things called Last Calls that we're actually only going to be sort of releasing on for our patrons so definitely uh, take a look at and become a patrons uh, patreon.com slash down in front podcast that's always awesome and fun and you also get a bunch of early episodes so we will be kind of posting information there thanks so much everybody for your time thanks guys for being here our next review will be bad times at the el royale did i get that you got that right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think donald draper's in it and that's all i know um, so I think that should be hopefully spoiler it's a good alert. movie. Uh yeah, yeah, I know. Spoiler alert. Donald Tune in for a full half hour podcast of me just talking about Chris Hemsworth uh doing his sultry dance from the trailer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is gonna be that's huge spoiler alert. That's gonna be a long <laughs> review. Oh, Do we know I'm if gonna... Don Draper wore any underwear for this movie? No, oh, never. If he him, doesn't. Yeah, if never. him and Chris Hemsworth both don't wear underwear, that movie's gonna be or that podcast gonna be like nine hours long. This is going to be a Ken Burns documentary of us talking about that movie. I don't know what Ken Burns documentary. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Your boy Bye-bye. beat Tom Mahoney in fantasy football this week.